wonderful anthem that helps us to know that our relationship with Christ is based upon his forgiveness and his justification of our lives. He gives us every purpose, every reason to have hope in this world we live. Today we're going to look at Paul's letter to the church at Corinth in the second chapter to understand what it means to be a Christian. The early Christians were known as followers of the way. We're called Christian because we live our life in the example of Christ. When we make that profession of faith, as I read to Ellen and to Jean, and they answered the questions, they were repeating the questions made at baptism that talk about our relationship where Jesus is the master of our life. He is the exemplar. We follow Christ. We are Christians. We are not like the rest of the world. We do not have independence. We do not have our own self-determination. We are Christians. We follow Christ. So in the second chapter, when Paul is writing this, he is helping these early Christians understand you've got to quit being the hateful way that you are. And you have to accept Christ's way in your life. You need to have love and compassion and forgiveness and mercy and reconciliation. And he's laying it down. He's preaching a great sermon here. When he said, when I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come proclaiming the mystery of God to you in lofty words or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I came to you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. My speech and my proclamation were not with plausible words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the spirit and a power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on the power of God. He continues, if I can get the page to turn, isn't that something? So used to computers, you hit a you know, button, but it's worth the wait. Yet among the mature who do not speak wisdom, though it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age, we are doomed to perish, but we speak God's wisdom, secret and hidden, which God decreed before the ages of our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, not the human heart conceived, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, and the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For what human being knows what is truly human except the human spirit that is within? So also no one can comprehend what is truly God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of this world, but the spirit that is from God, so that we may understand the gifts bestowed on us by God. Let us pray. Dear Lord, help us to understand these words that you speak in our hearts of the mind of Christ. Let us know this mind of Christ in all that we do, that we may claim the gifts that you are given. Lord, you want our lives to be full of love and hope. You want our days to know peace and reconciliation. You want us to live our life under this sun and fullness of grace. Lord, help us accept this way that you have called us to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's one of the oldest techniques in preaching you can have is when you start to share your testimony 
That's what Paul does here. He says, I did not come to you proclaiming a great mystery and in lofty words of wisdom. I came to you preaching Jesus and Jesus alone. And I can say the same because the first Sunday I was here, I preached Jesus Christ. I didn't know where you had been or where your former preachers had been. I would hope that they preached Christ, but you can't know this day and age. But I knew what I had to do, and I came here preaching Jesus Christ and preaching the Bible. People can have all kinds of differences, but can you find a difference with that? If you do, then we do not know the same God. For my God demands that I preach Christ and Christ alone for salvation. Just being a good person isn't enough, though. Paul was saying to the church at Corinth, Jesus is what connects us together. Jesus is what this is all about. I'm crazy about Jesus the Christ. I know Jesus saves because he saved many I know and he saved me. And that salvation is a work in progress by the grace of God. God is working in our lives. And so Paul is saying, for I have decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And he says, I came to you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I guess so. I guess the day I rolled up into this place with the folks from the Outer Banks, we had the moving van and Hannah's boxes. Y'all had gathered together and y'all were helping us to unpack into the house and here we are in this new place. I know this way. I was born in this way. I was born in a parsonage, more or less, in the hospital there at Lewisburg. But after a few days, went home and started my year-and-a-half colic. My mother said I cried for a year and a half. I cried because they stuck me in a parsonage that I didn't know, a cold room. But this place is not so cold. It's a warm place, a great deal of warmth and love. Joe and Judy can testify to that today. Isn't that right, Joe and Judy? You know what a home is, right? Home is not sticks and stones. Home is not what we build. Home is where the heart is. You know, a great writer from North Carolina, he said, you can't go home again. Well, if you can't go home again, you haven't opened up your heart to let Christ in. For through Christ, you can go home again. You can go to be with God. Because God wants you to be with him. That's why Paul is saying, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ. So, I don't listen to the gossip. I don't listen to the sins among us. I don't listen to the problems you have in your families and in my family. I don't get caught up into the drama because that's not what I know. I know Jesus. And Jesus is here, whether we like it or not. <laughs> he's here. And he's now. He's at this moment. He's in this place. These children can testify to that. They know that spirit, that kindling of hope and life, of believing in something greater than self and what we think we ought to know. And we come to know a loving, forgiving Wonderful friend in Jesus. That's what Paul was saying. I've decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I'm never taken away from the power of the cross. 
For it's at the cross that I was saved. It's at the cross my sins were nailed to the tree. It's at the cross that I claim the salvation I have through Jesus the Christ. The cross has been pentacle. It's been the moment of great revelation all throughout my life, from being a young boy coming to the altar to going up to the cross to being at Lake Junaluska to being here at the cross on Easter morning. Jesus crucified dying for my sins, not for his, for he didn't have any sins. It's my sins he died for. And I come to you now in this weakness of self, in fear and trembling, not of you and not of the world, but of my God who shall hold all in judgment and hold people in judgment for their wayward ways. And this culture thinks it can have its cake and eat it too, and the day of judgment is coming. Somebody told me the other day that I've started getting hard in my sermons. I haven't gotten hard. The word is hard. God's not going to let us get away with what we think we can get away with. You can't live like the devil during the week and claim to be an angel on the weekend. In the old culture, we used to hold each other accountable when communities held such things in high value, but now people could care less because of what they claim in their independence. But I tell you now, there is a running tally. God is taking a tally of the good and the evil that is done. My fear is not of the world. My fear is of a judgmental God who will come and hold everyone accountable. Paul says, my speech and my proclamation were not with words of wisdom. Oh, I know I've got a doctor's degree, and y'all know I've got a doctor's degree, but what does that really mean? It means diddly. Diddly. I could have Brad run back there and grab all my diplomas off the wall. Uh, don't do it, Brad. Don't do it. Let them hang there. People come to see me on rare occasion at the office. And I can point to my ordinations and my degrees and the whole bit. You should be impressed. Because it weren't handed to me and I didn't buy it from somebody down the street. I earned every bit of it. But what does it really mean if I don't know Jesus? But I do know Jesus. And he taught me early on that it's not these things that make me into the child of God. It's believing in him and trusting in him. That's what Paul is saying. My speech and my proclamation, uh, it's not the wisdom. I'm not come to prove a point to you or try to persuade you. I come to preach a simple truth. Jesus is the Christ. Accept it or not. Jesus is the Christ. So that your faith may not rest on human wisdom, but on the power of God. Because if our faith rests on human wisdom, then we're no more than the people following the politicians around right now. And they all got big plans. They got plans. They're going to wipe away student debt. I'm glad because I owe Carolina a lot of money and they're not spending it very well. <laughs> How in the world? How in the world can you lose a 13-point lead? 
Me, me and Brad were commiserating this morning in, in our little covenant meeting in the back. It was so sad. There were tears everywhere. We, what is going on? Blaming everybody. Blaming the referees, the umpires. Blaming the players. I'm blaming the coach. No, don't blame the coach. Blaming luck, you know, pure luck. I mean, I did not come here out of wisdom. I come here out of faith. I believe we do win. I know we win. <laughs> I know we win. Oh, it may look bad and it may look sad at times. It may look like we're not going to get through. It may look that way and it's looked that way a lot in life when I think back. Don't forget 9-11. Do you remember how wounded our nation was and how our culture cried and how we feared because the very things we thought would stand now were falling down and we were being intact by an enemy we did not know and could not understand and here we are years later and we somehow think we're more secure and we live in a world far less secure. Do not put your stock into this world and the ways of this world and the wisdoms of this world. We think our planes and our ships and our technology is going to save us. It's not going to save us. It's only going to make it more complicated. It's going to break down even more. A single solar flare, which is going to happen at some point from our sun, which is going through a massive change right now. Once in a long time, every now and then, the sun sends out a solar flare. And what do you think a single solar flare would do to everything on the earth? This all will go down. Our connection, our computers, our satellites, our ESPN. And what we're going to have then? We're going to have neighborhoods, I hope, where neighbors are neighbors and friends are friends. And we take care of each other. We're going to break down in anarchy and anger and hatred like inner cities fighting against each other. See, I do not put my stock in the wisdom of man. Who does man think he is? But thanks be to God that I don't lose sight of who we really are. We're children of God. And he loves us and he has provided for us. He takes care of us. He puts protection above us. He puts a layer above the earth that stops the electromagnetic waves from causing massive destruction. He gives us a planet that's alive in the midst of a solar system that's dead. He gives us a place of life amidst a world of darkness. Since I can't still turn it on without solar flare turning it off. And don't worry, children, it's not going to happen today, I don't think. So you don't have to run home and send that text or that email. And stay away from Facebook, please. Oh, my Lord, have mercy. But children don't do Facebook, you know that. They think Facebook's for older people. They don't do that. They do all kinds of things I don't even know the names of. I wrote this the other day and sent it to my children. Leanna sent back from Kuwait. Where did this come from? And I wrote these words, it's a poem, and it is a deep poem, so you may have to listen real closely. If you don't want to listen, that's fine. Just listen to the rhythm and the beat of it. Within the mist, with darkened forms, echoes of hollowing sounds, a single, slight, smallest shift of light with whispered sound. That describes our, you know, our condition. We're, we're 
we're vessels of light, of God's grace. That's what our children's sermon was today. That within each one of us, we have a light to shine. And when Justin read that, he was talking about don't hide your light, let your light shine. I continue and I say, in this land without so much of life and liberty, in this span of holding dreams, wanting to be freed. In other words, we live in a land that does have the most liberty of any country in the history of the world. Yet even here, we do not have the true liberty of self. We're bound by the nation, by the world that we live in, by the fears that grip us, by the things that hold us each and every day, by the age that consumes us. And I say then, close your eyes, O little dreamer. Then you will see, awakened to a different place made for you and me. See, at that moment in the, in the poem, I'm telling the children, don't lose hope. Just, just, just dream with me. And that's a reflection of Martin Luther King's great sermon, I Have a Dream. But in this case, it's not about a, a dream about peoples. It's a dream about us and about the ones we love. And I'm saying to my children, just, just have hope. Just close your eyes and, and you'll see it. You'll see what we are and who we are. We're the children of God. Don't lose hope. So I say, close your eyes, O little dreamer. Then I continue, this land of dreams beyond this shore where shadows cannot be found. A land of dark when nevermore, which is real, which is bound. In other words, I'm asking them to realize which world is real. This world of dreams, of hopes, or this world of darkness that we live in. To know the mind of Christ is to accept a world that the world does not see. To know the mind of Christ means that we reject the world we wake up to and we accept the world that we cannot see, yet we can believe in. The problem is we keep trying to believe in the world we're born into. And the world we're born into disappoints us. And people disappoint us. And life disappoints us. Then we become frustrated because it didn't end up the way it was supposed to. Or a turn suddenly happened. Or something changed our course. Joe and Judy can testify to that. Did it not change your course? You were happy in Broadway, weren't you? <laughs> I, I know you were. I went and saw you over there, and we had a good time. Y'all were overcoming illness, and you were showing me what you had in your sunroom. And what happened? It changed, right? Changed in a single moment, a single spark. And suddenly, here's a new world, a world that we didn't ask for, but we got. And what is this dream world that God is calling us to, this land of dreams beyond this shore? And here's what I say to my children. When I was younger, I would have asked them, I would have answered them different. I would have given them a different quote. I would have told them, yeah, I know exactly what it is. Because parents think they know everything. What, what do we really know? And I say, I cannot answer this for you. Only you can know the truth. I can say I know the truth. And where we are together, that to me sets me free. No matter the rumbled sounds, that to me holds the key to our dreams, little dreamer. And Leanna asked me back, says, why are you writing this, Dad? I mean, this is like a dying man's words. <laughs> I'm not dying, but I am. I'm dying. It happens. 
am I to do? I'm dying too old and being born too new. That is what I will do. I choose life instead of death. I choose hope instead of hopelessness. I say to my children, I cannot take you there, but I can point the way and together we can go. See, Paul is saying to know the mind of Christ is to walk with Christ, abide in Christ, live in Christ, to know Christ. And what is this mind of Christ? What does Christ demand us to do? He demands that we live within the Spirit is what it says. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, the Spirit that searches everything, even the depths of God. For what human beings know, what is truly human except what the human spirit that is within so also no one can comprehend what is truly God except the spirit of God see we must know the mind of Christ to know heaven we must accept the mind of Christ so what does that mean to accept the mind of Christ wow what does that mean this is a pulpit within the pulpit the person in the pulpit is charged to proclaim the word of Jesus Christ. We are bound by covenant and by grace and we are judged by our own life. Because nothing we stay, say here is only one way. It cuts the other way. When I speak of sin, I am condemned of sin. When I speak of hopelessness, I am condemned of hopelessness. When I stand here, I stand here as a man, but I also stand here as a vessel of God. Christ in us. This candle is lit by the grace of God. There's a sun pointing at me. And it takes the grace of God to light this candle. Because <laughs> that candle, and by the way, I've been thinking about it. Y'all can start stepping up here if you need to. And then we can take it, we'll, we'll lower it like we've done before, just so we get the thing lit because it represents Christ in our midst. There he is. He's shining. He's in our midst. Center us into the way of Jesus, the disciple five. It symbolically shows we are children of the cross and we're bound by the cross. Then this altar table. On the altar table, we have the cloth, the parents, we have the candles, the beautiful flowers, we have the cross, the symbol of the Delta or the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And on the table, chosen book, the Bible that we hold to. We don't hold to any other book. We don't believe there's another book. We believe the Bible is the book. I believe the Bible is the word of God. And in this word, Jesus is proclaimed and he's prophesied about and he's told his story. And we're told not only of the kingdom that is, but the kingdom that is to come. The Bible is holy and sacred. The Bible is the reason I am a preacher. My grandfather was taught to read by
buy the King James Version of the Bible when he had to go home in the first grade because his father suffered a massive heart attack and his mother, Rachel Leanna Patience Simmons, who married George Washington Smith, taught him to read by the King James Version of the Bible. And my father was called on a battlefield in Korea, and I was called in a pulpit at Arapahoe by the same Bible. So I'm a son of the Bible. I'm named after the great translator of the Bible, St. Jerome. And I preached that Bible. And I preached it before thousands and only a handful. And I never hesitated. I've never spoken what people want me to. I speak what God tells me to. And if you don't like it, you take it up with God. hold a lot against me, but you better not hold that against me or you will be judged by my Father who will not be happy with you. And I have seen people who be judged. And it's not just you but be your children. You will be cursed if you curse those who bring the word of God to you in purest of heart. I can't prove how much I love you. Some of you don't want to be Burn your hands, you can lay down on this altar. This altar was built for that purpose, to have communion, to come together. And I think back to our time here, and how many times have we said goodbye and hello? How many times have we shared with one another? How many Christmas Eves have we gathered here and had communion? How many times have we shared in the most intimate way through Bible study? We are the church, the living church of Jesus the Christ. That baptismal font. That's the water that saves you. That's the baptism of our soul. <clears throat> we call to be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I was baptized in Lewisburg. I was a little baby. My daddy held me. My mother, she stood there as another preacher came and baptized me. I do not remember it. I was a baby. But I do remember each and every day in the life I live and the course I chose. Because if I had to answer the question that the young girl answered at Columbine, or someone were holding a gun to me, I would answer, I do believe.
singing that this afternoon. This is uh, like the ditty of somebody. How's that go? Who knows that song? I know some of you do. Some of you are rock and roll. You just hide it pretty well. You may dance. But watch out. You get put in that closet. Isn't that right there? Jack and Diane. John Mellon. See, what Paul is describing here is that our relationship with Christ opens up the potential of us living our life to his freest, to his most beautiful end, and that is being with him. He says, now we have received not the spirit of this world, but the spirit that is from God, so that we may understand the gifts bestowed on us by God. And what are these gifts? Well, that's what the poem ends in. Here's what I know. We can go together. We can go together. This is what I know. We can go together. And that means everything. Because together, Christ, he said, what, we're two or three together in my name. What? I'm with them. So if we go together, Jesus is with us. But if we go alone, Christ will not stand with us alone. He only stands with us together. And right now, our denomination is being rent into. Pretty soon, within a matter of months, there's going to be major decisions that will be made where every church will be given the option to divide or not, and people will be dividing left and right, brother against sister, father against daughter. And I cannot stop it. I wanted to stop it. I tried to stop it years ago when I tried to take a position, but God would not open that door. I tried to stop it through stories I wrote even years ago because I saw the handwriting on the wall and I knew that this hatred and division, what is it? Did we let wolves among the sheep? Do we have goats among the sheep? What is it in the church that we've allowed this division to enter among us and our differences of opinion have become differences of principle and suddenly we're divided in family and the way we think, who in the world do we think we are? The devil's laughing the whole time we're fighting. But it's going to happen. And when it happens, this church had to make a decision. I hope it's with Jesus. I hope it's with God. And I hope it's together. Let us pray. Dear Lord, help us to know your mind and all the things that we do that we may choose the better way. Lord, let us set aside these things that hinder us so and accept that your love is enough in our lives. We love you, Jesus, and you have called us to love each other. In Jesus' holy, sweet name we pray. Amen. Wow. Pass it on. That's a, that's a song. <laughs>